You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Well, I have to say welcome back to everybody again for Sexy Marriage Radio and another chance to venture into possibly uncharted waters for you or for us or, I mean, it's kind of interesting, Shannon, because we've, we've often said there's times where we're not sure where shows are going to go because we just kind of get started. <laughs> and sometimes it's harder territory for us. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's one of those also that sometimes just because of the life we both live as far as our work and, and travel and you much more than me, uh, but we get into these seasons where um, it's it's difficult for us to connect, and so I'm going to say from the outset, this one is a different one because we've not connected just via phone like this to do a show. So if you're new to Sexy Marriage Radio, this one's going to sound a little different. And I'm just this is just my techno geek kind of saying it up front. This one's going to have a little <laughs> bit of a different sound, but it's still quality is going to still be there. Absolutely. Uh, and usually, um, you know, like when you're camping or you're poolside, you know, you may need to do something remotely. So I'll, I'll return the favor. But yeah, I'm traveling this time. But thanks to technology and Corey's um, expert use of it, he's tapping me in. Right. So we, we, fig- we figured a workaround. We figured a workaround to make this happen. But this is one of those things that's really interesting because with with this show, you know, we, this this show has been going on for four and a half years and. You and I've what been are we doing, up to? What is this episode number? This would be almost two fifty, if uh, if That's I. That's what think. I was wondering. Have we have have we hit the quarter? Well, what is two fifty? Is that a quarter of a century? No, that's. That's that's two and a half centuries. <laughs> <There you> <laughs> <go>. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it seems like it's been forever it's, since we've been doing this show. <laughs> yeah, the, the show's the show has been around a while, and a lot of that is because of our listeners and helping them helping us spread the word and and give us feedback and give us thoughts and send us emails to and feedback put, at sexymarriageradio.com. So and put a bumper sticker on their car yeah. and become a Bed Buddy Club member and all the support that they're yeah. showing. So yeah, showing up is. Marriage Radio Getaway, giving us feedback. We could go on and yeah, on about all that our listeners bring to the table. We could. So, but this is one of those things that it's it's because of you know the, just the length this show's been and and everything we've covered and all the stuff that we do. It's just it's fascinating to me that there's still more. You know, there's still a whole lot more, and I hope couples recognize that. One of the beauties to me of monogamous relationships and the secretness that can come with that kind of a relationship is what you create, there is a depth that maybe we don't even know. We can't even, we don't even, we haven't even recognized with it. Wow, there's still more we could explore, check out, do. So that's fascinating to me to think about. Yeah, well, I remember like in year two of our marriage thinking, well, I think we've pretty much done everything there is to do. And I had no idea the undiscovered positions we would stumble upon in the coming years right. or just the feelings, you know, the, the the feelings that come with fully expressing yourself sexually in the presence of a safe partner Yeah, is huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. And so that leads us to a great topic because this, and this is from a listener on at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com where she emailed in 
And I love it because her first statement is just, I'd love to hear your ideas on sexual courage. And that would be a phrase I don't know if we've talked about. And those two words put together. I think we allude to it a lot because there is, if, if you're going to go into the depths of what connections can be and what sex can be, that takes courage. Right. <laughs> because we get into, just like we talked about last week's show, that we get into the deeper, darker areas of life when we start to get to really know another person to where a great way to phrase it too comes from another listener that says, what do you do with a partner that knows what you like but doesn't do it? How do you have the courage to continue to pursue what you like, even though your partner mm. doesn't? Right. And to face your own disillusionment and disappointment without becoming bitter or without blaming the other person. Because let's be real, what one person is comfortable with may be totally different than what another person is comfortable with. Right. That whole negotiation and navigation can be a huge challenge. But yeah, it does require courage. Yeah, I, I like that expression, sexual courage. Yeah, and uh, it's probably best just to kind of explain it so that way we can get the framework for the show. Uh, just so that way we stay a little more on task and okay. <laughs> and, then, and then our listener also is like, okay, wait, I get it. But I also, there's more. And so that way then they have great questions to send us at feedback at sexy marriage radio.com. I'm going to weave that into the show a bunch today. Nice, nice plug. Um, nice plug. Yeah, you're, so we want to create a cheat sheet and outline here. Yes. So it's okay. just the whole idea of, so if you're talking about sexual courage, let's, let's frame it in the whole idea of the high desire or the high initiator and the low initiator. Okay. Okay. Just because I'm going. Do we off. want to call it low? I, I want to challenge you really quick on the verbiage, though. Do we really want to call it low initiator? I think maybe high and not as high. Ah, uh, you see, you I, I see. Breaking down I, into. Okay, but this. But this seriously, I think the lower desire partner probably is very offended by the low by the concept that they have low um, desire when it's not that they have low desire. Maybe. It's not that they have no okay. Desire. They're just not as high as their partner. Okay, I, I I get it, and this is one of the things that's that's funny to me, Shannon, because based off of our our show last week, um, I I have an I, my walk away from our our episode after we recorded that was you have a more optimistic view of people than I do. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably true. And I think I think I I think I have a little more of a cynical view standpoint of humans. And so, uh, okay. Well, it, I, I can create some balance because I was actually thinking that if we use the term not as high desire partner, the acronym for that is NAH, which is NAH, which is basically what they're saying. Okay. Nah. Okay. How's that for pessimism for you? Well, is that a little it, less optimistic? There was also, there was also <laughs> someone at the first get, Sexy Marriage Radio getaway that he, he challenged us in the same at that getaway to use the whole idea of the more desire and the less desire just because so it's the right. same context and and i get it and and, and i'm okay that's splitting hairs to me but it's just the whole the whole <laughs> vernacular the yeah partner and the nah partner yeah. <laughs> but the, the whole vernacular just because the one that i think of that it's because whoever it is in the marriage that does the bulk of the initiation that if there's not just a huge biological drive in them, it sometimes is very hard 
to muster the courage to continue initiating when they've been rejected a lot because typically yeah. speaking, whoever it is that does the bulk also gets the bulk of the rejections. So it's recognizing right. and rejection is hard. It is. And that's, that's universal for men and women. There's, there's an element of men that seems like we can brush that off and know, Hey, I'll get another chance at bat. And cause we've talked about that on past shows where women rejection means different to them. It's a, it's a deeper wound sometimes to a woman for that kind of rejection as opposed Absolutely. to a man, but it still hurts equally. Well, I, I think that, I mean, let's look at historically when a guy and a girl are, are growing up and going through their puberty season, their teenage years, I think that guys are used to rejection because let's be real, guys start initiating a little bit faster than girls. Girls mm -hmm. blossom faster as far as like body development, but their mm -hmm. brain isn't bathed in testosterone like a boy's is. So I think that a boy is used to being told no pretty much from the get-go. Maybe. You know, yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, I know that there are exceptions to that rule. And I know that there are abuse experiences that, you know, he was initiated with first. But you get the idea. The typical scenario is that the sixth grade boy is asking the girl if he can put his hands down her pants or up her shirt or whatever. And she's right. like, no, no. So, so he's used to that. Right. I think for a girl, she's used to being pursued because right. – I mean, guys were pursuing me when I was like in elementary school. And, and so you just, you get used to saying no, but it doesn't damage your self-esteem to be the one saying no. It actually could but almost then, be a boost to your self-esteem saying no, oh, because sure. you're being pursued. Yeah, because I felt more valuable right. than what they were showing value toward me. And right. so it was like, no, homie, don't play that game. But the idea of being a full-grown woman and having the freedom and the courage to pursue. And, and this does take a lot of courage for a woman because I think that historically we've been taught that good girls don't, good girls right. don't. And so, it, you know, we kind of step out of that mentality to initiate. So when we're told no, when we're shot down, I mean, it hits to the core, yeah. I think. Okay, but to a woman's body image and self-esteem and feelings of acceptance and, yeah. So let's go even a little bit deeper with this, though. Because this is where so far we framed this in the idea of just the actual overt rejection risk of I'm going to make a move. I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to flat out ask the question and it gets shot down. So that's kind of a that's a in the open above board out. You know, it's a, it's above the water, the surface of the water kind of thing. But let's talk about something a little bit deeper because we're always teaching people how to treat us, especially our spouse. The way I react to things, the way I interact with things, the way I respond, the way I hear something, but I ignore it so that because I don't want to deal with it. You know, and if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've had the opportunity where your kid has asked you the question and you didn't want to answer it. So you just act like you didn't hear it, hoping they will just move on with their day. And typically kids don't do that. They ask again. But when you're talking about the deeper levels of this, because from our emailer, she even makes the comment that she's the one that, that does the initiate, initiation. And so she says, to be honest, I'm chicken and too tense to even begin the idea of sex without a little bit of liquid courage, darkness, <laughs> and wind down time. Mm -hmm. so wind down, as in W-I-N-E. 
No, no, not wine. Yeah, I get you. But but it's just the idea. So there's a deeper thing going on here because what I think of, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, um, is in the first year of my marriage, Pam and I got in, into a fight. And, and so I was 21. She was 20. And we were in this small little house in East Texas. And whatever we were fighting about, you know, she got really mad and she went into the kitchen and she opened the cabinet door to get a glass of water, and she opened it so fast that the, it came off the hinges, it hit the ground, and it splintered. And it wasn't like she was intending, you know, I'm taking all my frustration out on this cabinet door. It just, she was mad, and so it, she just kind of right. lost, lost control for a second. Well, I'm 21 years old watching this, and I'm a naive, young, stupid kid, pretty much. And I take away from that, don't piss off my wife. Right? That's the message mm. I got. And what she right. sent me, that, that, that message she sent me was, don't piss me off. Which now all of a sudden, if I'm going to start to be who I want to be as I do life with her, it's going to take courage to be willing to risk pissing her off. And there were years and years and years and years and years of me not having that courage. And it wasn't until I had this realization, and some of it came from just me working with these men in the husband mastermind group I'm doing. And I had the realization of, you know what? I'm not afraid of her anymore. Ooh. And that was a kind of a deep, profound thing for me to kind of come to that realization. And then I even pulled her aside and said, you know what, baby? I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> and how did she respond And, and she's like, okay. And she's been with me enough. I've been a therapist long enough that she kind of knows I'm going to come out of left field with some things. And she's going to like, so I love her response a lot of times is, okay, explain it. You know, like, tell me, tell me more. You know, I don't know. Right. How'd you come to that? I don't know what you're talking about. So I just kind of set the whole scenario up and she's like, good. You know, and right. I don't think that a woman wants her husband to be afraid of exactly. her. But what we really do in married life and how it really plays out, like we talked about last week is there are things that have been known and we've stated we want, but they're not going to do them because they're not interested. They don't care, whatever. Or there's also going to be things that they've done unintentionally that have now wreaked havoc for years and they've never been brought up because one of you took it as hook, line, and sinker as fact. And so it takes tremendous courage, and I'll even say it takes tremendous sexual courage to be more real in marriage, to be more out there and open. Yeah, to be more overt, or as Brene Brown would say, to be more vulnerable, to confront your own shame that's been brought out in the marriage. Yeah. I love Brene Brown stuff. I know that so many other people do too. What I've been thinking, Corey, is that whole notion of, I think that it takes courage, yes, to approach your spouse and to ask for an act or a you know, or for them to pursue you or, or, you know, whatever it is that you're wanting or craving or feeling like you need. But I think that the real courage comes in looking in the mirror and asking yourself, why do I want that? Not that you don't have a right to it. We right. all have desires. That, right. that just comes part and parcel with being human. But asking yourself, what does that represent to me? And does my spouse offer something that's more natural to them that could actually represent the same thing such that I scratch that itch without it being done the exact way that right. I perceive that it should be done. Right. Does that make sense? It does. 
It does because that's a that's a courageous step of trying to find some of the validation of what you're looking for in yourself and not putting it as completely on their shoulders to do it. Right. Well, and, and to make them speak your language because they don't speak your language nearly as well as they speak their own language. Right. And there may be lots of other things that they do, lots of other things that they do that says, I love you, you're, you rock, uh, I think you're all that in a bag of chips, I think you're hot. You know, mm-hmm. There could be lots of other things. So ask yourself, what is what I want represent? And is that met? Is that need actually being met in ways that I'm not acknowledging because it wasn't done the way I wanted it to be done or in the language that I wanted it to be spoken mm-hmm. in? And, and also then, too, does it need to be met? Is that something I can find? Oh, that's an even deeper is it something I can find and maybe should find in myself a little more? Because that's what this marriage is actually revealing for me, and that's how it's going to benefit both of us. Because you know full well, being married a while, having had kids that they're grown now, so you've got you've got history with them to know. There are if you still had to treat either one of your children as if they were elementary age kids, there would be a medical problem. Right, there would be a. <laughs> yes. hold they would on. take my head off. <laughs> well, yeah, there, not, I'm not talking about the emotional fallout of that and the frustration of it, but it's just the whole. If we had to prop up people, because you just realize, okay, I, for a time and a season, they're down, they're they're tragic. There's all kinds of things going on. I can I can carry carry extra weight. But if there's more to it, and they never start handling life on their own. Figuring out what they want to eat on their own. There, I mean, because in, in right. the world I live in, I love it because my kids still ask for the simplest things. When it's like, go get it yourself, go do it. You don't have to ask for permission for that. And that's kind of a double edged sword because there's the part of I love that I'm still well well involved in their life because they ask for everything. Can we go outside and go right. play? And I'm like, well, just go. And but there, I know quickly there's going to be a. Where did my kids go? And like, right? Why didn't they ask permission to right. leave the house? So it's it's just that same thing in marriage. Of if if I have to prop up my partner, I'll do it for a while. But if I do it too long, it starts to become unattractive. Yeah, and we need to pay attention to when that teeter totter starts yep. moving because to to keep the allure going on in a relationship where there is still that attraction. It's very, very important. We can't just let our guard so far down that it's like, ugh. Right. You know, I, I, I do. I think that there needs to be a little bit of a veil there, you know? Sure, sure, there does. And But this is just that whole idea of, I don't know, this is something Schnarch mentioned. When I first came across him and I was listening to him speak and he made the comment of, that attraction wanes whenever you have to emotionally prop somebody up. It's just going to. If I have to continue, and he, so he, he quoted a, a client that she said he was this, this is a real powerful guy, but deep down he was an emotional basket case. He was able to portray this incredibly strong businessman, but deep down she constantly had to boost his ego you know, soothe his hurts and his anxieties and tell him everything was going to be okay and that we're okay and all that. And so she finally made the statement of, I will inflate your penis or I'll inflate your ego. I cannot do both. 
Wow. And so That's great. It is. But it's just that same concept of how often, because this is what, I, I don't know. I, I'm just going to, this is personal radio for Corey for today. So think, I'm going to send me a bill for this session, Shannon, apparently. Um, but <laughs> I, I just think of uh, one of the, one of the times early on when, when Pam, we had kids and Pam's working at a, at a, at a bank and she's stressed out. She's got a, a, a high, a high stress job going on. And I would have times where I would just reach out and call and, and, and she would never answer the, answer the phone the way I wanted her to. Cause what I'm wanting from her is, Oh, I was just thinking about you. You know, I'm so glad you called. I'm the luckiest woman on the face of the oh. planet. You are the best <laughs> husband in the entire world. And instead I get, what do you need? And I'm like, oh, nothing. I was just calling to say, hey, hear your voice. And she's like, okay. You know, because at this point, I've interrupted her. And she's in the flow right. of work. And so and now I'm hurt. Though. Her brain's not in the same no, place no, no. that your brain and, is. And so, and so I'm hurt by her response because it's this whole, I'm looking for an emotional propping up. And what I finally recognized is when I was reaching out for her in those calls, that was, that was out of emptiness. And I was trying to act like it was out of romance. But it wasn't. It was out of emptiness. It was me not feeling good about me, and I wanted her to help me feel good about me. And I'm sorry. That's not what a spouse is for if it's not overt. Yeah. If, if yeah, I come at her I and just say, what a friend is for. well, maybe, but if I, a friend, I, a friend that doesn't have to turn you on sexually or that doesn't have to be turned on, maybe. By you sexually. Okay. But I'm, I want to come at it, though, from a different perspective in the sense that. If I come at you, even if I called you or I called Greg or I called Aaron, my best friend who's in Panama, you know, and just said, I was just wanting to hear your voice. And, you know, and I'm and I'm trying to just manufacture something. I'm not going to get what I'm looking for, most likely, because that's not what humans necessarily do for each other. But if I call and say, you know what, I've just been feeling kind of down and I'm anxious about this and I wanted to hear your voice. That's a different ball game because now it's all of a sudden I'm reaching out of want and a little more fullness rather than need. Right. And, and you're identifying what you're feeling and you're being vulnerable and sharing right. that feeling with another human being, right. which does create that bonding that Brene Brown talks about. Right. But the whole thing about I can inflate your penis or I can inflate your ego, but not both. I'm, I'm going to offer a female counterbalance to that conversation because I, I agree that for a woman to feel as if she has to pop him up. It can be very unsexy, very, very unsexy. Right. However, I will have to say that I think sometimes women feel more bonded to their mate when they feel as if they can be that vulnerable. Like I know the times when, you know, like a lot of people perceive me as just this really strong force of nature type of a thing. But that Twyla Paris song, The Warrior is a Child, it has always been one of my favorite songs. And when I can come home and take off my armor, and, and let my husband see the child in me that needs to be held, that needs to be cuddled or whatever. I think that those create some of the deepest bonding moments, at least for me. I, I, I've never asked Greg, so how did that make you feel when you had to be the one to hold me type of a thing? But I think that women, we really like being able to show our weakness and feel the support of our spouse. So... I don't know if that's a cultural thing as men are supposed to be stronger and it's okay for women to be the weaker sex or I don't know. Well, there, yeah, there could be some societal things, but if, if even on, if you go too far with that premise, you're still talking about an emotional propping up. That's going to push somebody away, not draw them out. 
I think maybe the difference is in frequency right. and what your intention is. If I did that every stinking day, yeah. I'm sure it would get really old. Well, it's also but the yeah, same context that I've heard. When you feel frazzled or whatever. Right. Well, I've also heard from clients, and we've even had this from emailers that have sent them in to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, um, that I, I've heard <laughs> that they will have times of – she asks too much of, do you think I'm pretty? Or – do you notice me kind of stuff? And it's like I've heard from husbands that have said, I tell her that every day. And we've talked about that, that it, it doesn't it doesn't carry the weight. It goes in one ear and yeah. out the other. Yeah. So it's just yeah. that idea of how do I and this is what I believe marriage is about, that marriage is designed to make us have to confront if if I need my partner to constantly tell me I'm pretty, I need to also at the same time start figuring out I know I'm pretty. Right. Well, this it reminds me of this song that I hear my son listening to on Spotify frequently by Justin Bieber saying uh, that my mama don't like you and she likes everybody. And if you think you look that good, then why don't you go and love yourself? Okay. <laughs> like, that is so true. There are so many girls out there that they do think they're beautiful and they want men to tell them, but they really don't love themselves. Right. And I think that carry, that translates into marriage too. Right. Yeah. That, that you. That's so true. You can't. You can't get from somebody else what has to come from inside of you. Yeah, and that's and what you believe about yourself, your confidence level, your your sex appeal. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that's a. It's not about size or shape. Sex appeal is about attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of my professors. There's some pretty unattractive people on the planet that can be very sexy, and yep. there are some very attractive people that can be very unsexy because of attitude. Absolutely. One of my professors um, gave this word picture of he would he imagines everybody in the on the planet that we all walk around with these 55 gallon drums strapped to our uh, our shoulders in front of us so it's this big huge bucket that we're trying to every day we try to get it filled we're trying to get love attention sex money friendship joy french you know whatever it could be all the whatever it is that makes us you know feel alive that's what we're trying to right do. i was gonna say feel alive right. yeah so if you have two different people and one person because of their genetics their upbringing um, their circumstances and just their own outlook in life, they start the day with their, their drum already 25% full. Then you have another person, person B, who because of their genetics, upbringing, circumstances, and just outlook on life, they start the day 75% full. Out of those two people, who do you want to be in a relationship with? Mm, the 75% full person. Right, why? Because they have more to give. They have more to give they and... They have more to give and they don't need That's the much. bigger one. See, I, that's where my cynical side comes in. Because it's not about they have more to give me. It's that they don't need as much from me. <laughs> yeah. And that's the way I, I frame it. it. Because if, you, if every single one of us is honest, we have moments where we recognize neediness is clinginess and leechiness and we push that away even though it could be just like what you were saying earlier in today's show it could be actually the way our partner is trying to give us what we want mm -hmm. but we're seeing it as a needy clingy whatever and so we kind of push it away because it doesn't seem as yeah. good or feel as good as being wanted well i i think that the difference Corey, is that I mean, like I remember speaking in Canada one time and this guy approached me and he said, when you go back to the women, because I'd come over to speak to the, to the men at a different church and I was going back over to the ladies and he said, when you go back over there, would you please tell the ladies that they don't have to be modest in their own bedrooms? <laughs> and so I went back to 
went back to the women's event. I delivered that message to the entire crowd. I can't tell you how many dozens of women came up and said, that was my husband, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't know. But uh, they, it, it, it rang true for them. I think that it's one thing when a woman needs to hear her husband say X, Y, Z, or when a man needs to hear his wife say X, Y, Z. It's another thing when they say it over and over and it just goes in one ear and out the other. And it like, it never sticks. It never sticks. Mm -hmm. So I think that for a spouse to feel like, yes, I'm the man, I'm the woman, I can make my spouse feel this way or that way. That's a really good thing. But to, to face the reality of I keep trying to give them what they need and it never sticks, that makes them feel like a failure. I think that that's when the teeter-totter gets out of balance is when the other person doesn't believe them. Well, okay, but then that's what I want to just kind of wrap up this show then is because of the courage it takes to continually wade into that is one thing. But then the courage it takes to be able to honestly say to your partner, look, what you're looking for from me and the way I'm offering it obviously is not connecting. So either we're going to have to come up with a different communication standard standard with this or new language or you're going to have to find some of that in yourself. You're going to exactly. have to take care of that. Exactly, or you're going to have that. to look in the mirror yep. and answer why I don't feel that way about myself. Yep. Because you're right, the spouse cannot create the balance. Yeah, and because there is this whole interplay of just how we do life is going to step on each other's toes. And it's just that whole, going back to the, the story I shared at the very beginning of me being afraid of, of Pam early in the marriage. We even, and as we're recording this, Last night, she and I went on a walk, and this was after her being gone most of the day to work and being really late, and And I was like, hold on, we, I thought we were going to spend the evening, and we only had enough time to just go for a walk, and so while we're walking, I'm fuming, you know, I'm, but I'm like, okay, how do I say it? You know, I'm kind of in my, do I need to, you know, just be a big grown man about this? It's what's the big deal? You know, I'm kind of going through my whole old head. And so finally it came up and she's like, I'm so sorry that I was working a lot today. I was like, I'm like, baby, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not hurt or I'm not pissed that you worked. I'm upset that you're not home when you said you're going to be. That's the issue to me. It's, I understand you got to work. You got a job that, that has all kinds of stressors and stuff that comes up with taxes. I get it. You just, and she's like, I know I'm trying. And I'm like, I don't need you to try. I need you to do it. <laughs> you know? I, need, I, need, I need you to, if you say it, do it. And it's just that whole, she's like, I got you. And it's just that whole, that's a grown-up conversation that we have had to go through all kinds of pains to get to that point. But I think that that's why you guys have really blossomed and matured it together. Is. It's because you have both had seasons where you have to be honest and right. real about what you want, what you need, what you expect. Right. And the limitations of what you can do for each other. Right. And that's that's the thing that makes me – I still have several fun memories of the, the most recent Sexy Marriage Radio getaway where there's times where I'd be teaching – at the getaway and I would say something that really painted her in a bad light and it was kind of a straightforward honest <laughs> statement and everybody I would notice several people look at her like did he just say that about you and, and I love her because <laughs> she just takes the hit she's like yep it's true you know that's that's right well, you know. but you but you said far more things that reflected well on her absolutely I mean that's everybody knows you adore her I'm married I'm married <laughs> up that is no secret <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a wedding card. There's a wedding card that says, one of you married up and the other married down. But congratulations to you both. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs>
That's really good. I've never thought of it how she married Dan. Wow. I need to thank her for that. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I want to just kind of, I don't know, a, a charge at the end of this show. It's just that I, I think we both are trying to say we understand the courage it takes. And I want to just help people bolster the courage that it continues to take, you know, just to keep to keep at it. Yeah, bolster the courage and respect the courage that your spouse is displaying yes. when they approach you with something that they would like to receive from you. Yeah, well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. See you next time. We love you for listening. If you've benefited from this podcast, consider becoming a member of the Bed Buddy Club. Your financial support will help take Sexy Marriage Radio to the next level and enable Corey and Shannon to strengthen many other couples. Learn more at sexymarriageradio.com by clicking on the purple button.